People of the Book on 101.9 High FM. This is People of the Book, Stephen Kravitz in the seat, and we joined in the first half an hour by a good friend of ours from Penguin Random House Books, Viz Chetty, who's forwarded on a list of 15 great titles to me that he's going to talk about in the show. Welcome to the studios again, Viz. Oh, thank you very much, Stephen. It's always a pleasure to be here. It's our pleasure having yeah. you. <laughs> Now, let's jump straight to business. You 15 titles. Yes. Uh, it's, uh, it's, <laughs> a, a, it's a tall order, but yeah. you know, we might even get through them and have to pick your brains for a few more. <laughs> no, no problem. Um, yeah, the first one is Anything You Do Say by Gillian McAllister. Um, our audiences might uh, know her from a book she did a while ago called Everything But the Truth, which was also a really, really good um, uh, psychological thriller. So in this one, it is about a young woman named Joanna. Um, she basically gets together with a friend of hers one night and they go to this bar and they have a couple of drinks and catch up after a while and while they're at this bar there's this guy there that keeps sort of first he wants a selfie and then he sort of doesn't leave her alone you know so she gets kind of weirded out by him uh, so anyway they decide to cut the evening short and sort of go their separate ways um, she's walking um, on this lonely road she's all alone and she realizes that and she gets a feeling like someone's following her and she kind of thinks it's the guy from the bar and she keeps walking and keeps walking and eventually she gets to the staircase and she makes a decision she says once she gets to the top of the staircase, she's going to turn around and just like push this guy back. So then, you know, so he, she'll be safe. So she gets to the st- top of the stair. She turns around. She pushes this guy. He goes tumbling down these concrete steps and he lies at the bottom of the stairs completely out. She doesn't know at that stage if he's dead, but it surely looks like it is. And then the story splits and it goes into this sort of, if you've seen sliding doors and that kind of alternative reality. So it's the chapters get split up into conceal and reveal, right? Does she conceal what she's done? Because no one's actually seen uh, what she's done. Or does she reveal what she's done? And what ha- what's this, uh, the, the outcome of each of those um, decisions? So it's a really, really intelligent, well put, to get, uh, put together psychological thriller. And who's it published by? Um, it, that's coming through. That's coming actually on my list on the Penguin, Penguin list. list. Yeah, yeah. That's that's part of Penguin. Anything you do say, and it's like alternative realities. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, that's yeah, yeah. interesting. Yeah, it's really interesting. I mean, it's not, it's not as, it's not sort of fantasy or sci-fi in any way. It's just um, two outcomes of the same story, and you know, this sort of. Um, back and forth between, in her own mind as to what actually she should do and what she's done and how does she deal with that. So really, really good one there. Right. Um, and then the next one is From Bacteria to Bach and Back by Daniel C. Dennett. Uh, you might know him from 2015. He did a book called Intuition Pumps and Other Tales of the Mind, I think it was called, which is a really good book as well. He's, he's a very... Um, very, very smart guy, very intelligent author. Um, and this book, his other books have not been as accessible as this one, I would say. So this one is really, really uh, accessible. And he goes through recent discoveries from biology and computer science and basically entertains um, the curiosities of how our minds actually work, which is really interesting stuff. But it's the development of the mind. It's yeah. neurology. Yeah, neuroscience. With all the latest uh, research yes. put into accessible yeah. reading Exactly that, yeah. And it gives you little stories and researches that uh, research studies that have been done, um, but he does it in a, re- a much more entertaining way. Um, so it's not very textbooky, you know what I mean? So, yeah, so this one is a very interesting book on neurosciences, technology. If you're really interested in how the brain works, how the mind works, consciousness, you'd really appreciate this book, yeah. 
Is it in trade paperback or is it in paperback? Uh, this is actually now in the paperback. Okay. Uh, the pa- trade paperback was released a couple of months ago. It was a bit pricey, I think, on the market. So we're d- doing the paperback now, which is about 230 bucks, which is a nice price. And I, I know from the catalogs, yeah. <laughs> Penguin Madam House has a lot of neurology in it. Yes, yes. It's, yes. it's a theme, <laughs> but it's a great theme because there's so much research happening yes. that the, the reading public yeah. The public and yeah. you know the reading public is going to access that through books. Yeah. You you're really doing a great job at making this neuro neuroscience research available to the reading public through really top class books. Exactly, exactly. We've got so many new authors, older authors like uh, Daniel C. Dennett, who's done so much of work and you know that kind of thing. And uh, we find it fascinating, and uh, the the public wants to read about it. You know, this the thing with the mind and the brain is there's so much more that we don't know. Uh, you know what I mean? That's still out there, and that's why these books just keep getting published because new studies come about, and we right there with those guys and those authors. You know, and are people reading them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's one of the, you know, a couple of years ago, this last couple of years, like mind, body, spirit, you'll see them all over the bookshelves. Um, so now it's neurosciences. That's also also in the last couple of years. Even now, it's really, really uh, buzzing around this, this topic. You know, it's really interesting. Yeah, um, and it's appealing to all kinds of markets. I mean, not just the younger uh, readers; it's the older readers. Middle of the road as well. Brilliant. Yeah. Well, we all want to know how we make our minds work better. Yeah, <laughs> you reach a certain age and it becomes, uh, it becomes important. Yeah. you got to start writing stuff down. <laughs> right. And then the next one is um, another really, really good thriller. Everything is lies. We were just talking about this off here, off, um, off air. And it's Ellen... Callahan, right? And she has done a book called Dear Amy a while ago. Really twisty uh, thriller. It was about this person that gets abducted and starts writing these letters to an agony aunt and tells them, you know, they're trapped in this place and and uh, they need help. Uh, so it was a really good thriller and it kept you on right till the end. Usually with these books and what I find is that they they you really have a really good concept for this idea and you go along and you come to the last 50 pages and that's where you got to judge this kind of book because you either predict the ending and then you loses it for you or uh, the author kind of loses it a little bit and then the story just goes off in a totally different direction which you didn't really enjoy so this book it's about this young woman she works away from her family she works alone she lives alone um and one day she gets this really strange call from her mother to say you know to come home and um at first, she doesn't want to go, and then eventually she does make the way back home because it's quite a way to go. She goes back, and she finds she stumbles upon this really horrific scene. Right, her mother is hanging up from the ceiling, and she's dead. Um, um, and the father is almost dead; he's just lying in a pool of his own blood. And he ends up in hospital, and he can't really talk, so she can't really understand what he's. Or she can't really get information from him as to what happened. The cops come in, and they say, "No, it's a murder suicide." The mother's done it. But she knows her mother. She can never be her mother. So she starts to sift through the family's past, and particularly her mother's, who's written this book, right? She's written this very interesting book, and she finds all these notes that the mother's left around. And then she realizes that everything is, in fact, lies. Everything she knew about her family, their history, and what's happened in the past is all not what she's led to believe. So really, really good um, mystery thriller in that one. And the last few pages still hold the it, promise. And this, that's what I was saying. On no, this promise. one actually delivers on that and you come to the end. But it's also, this book, like you you don't really wait for the big, what I noticed is you don't really wait for the big twist in the end. It's more the actual emotional side of how she deals with all the stuff that she comes to find out. So again, book clubs would love this kind of book. It's good talking points, 
really interesting stuff. So, so, so that's Helen Callahan, Callahan, Everything is Lies. That's the one. And you said her first book was? Dear Amy. Dear Amy. Dear Amy. So it was really well received, that book. So if you read Dear Amy and you enjoyed Helen Callahan, there's a new one to look out for. Pick up this And one. when will it be in shops? This one's in March. Okay, right. Yeah. So we'll it's be just, in March we'll be in March now. So in a couple of weeks, just check the bookstores. Bookstores will find it. So for your next uh, book club meeting, yeah. <laughs> just take this, take this title to the, to the table. Everything is Lars Helen Callahan. Brilliant. Uh, and then the next one is Skin in the Game by uh, Nassim Nicholas Taleb. Uh, he's always a very controversial figure. One of the intellectuals of our world. You know, anybody who likes Pinker, anybody who likes that sort of author is going to enjoy him. Um, this book, when I, was, when I looked it up online to see what people are feeling about it, there's a lot of split... Um, feelings about it some people hate it some people love it to bits um so it's very po- it's very polarized in that respect uh, and i think that's exactly what he wanted it's very smart he knew that's exactly what he wanted people talking about it people <laughs> throwing him negative comments and positive so the more we talk about it the more the book's going to sell so maybe that's what's his play but anyway beside that the book is about uh, philosophy it's about um f- economics obviously he, he, you know his his history is in economics so he talks a lot about that kind of stuff and he talks about should we should we take advice from people for instance financial advisors if they don't have a vested interest in our investments for example right so what he believes and what he says is you can only take or get real advice from someone who has an interest in the outcome of that And he calls that Skin in the he game You've got to have game. Skin in the game <laughs> Exactly And it makes A lot of sense It makes a lot of sense And it's not just Economics It's um, Lecturers You know You go and sit In the lectures And you wonder does, what, Is this guy Telling me something That's for my benefit Does it actually Benefit him And does he Does he really Believe in what he's Saying That kind of thing and For anyone who's Listening This is the book It's Skin in the Game By Nassim Nicholas Taleb He wrote His famous book Was Black Swans Yes He made the term Black Swans Into Part of our daily yeah. conversation, <laughs> and his next book after that was Anti Fragile. Anti Fragile was great, yeah. and now it's Skin in the Game. Yes, so it's in the same genre as Freakonomics and yes. as um, Malcolm Gladwell, yep. looking at behavior through psychology, through economics, yeah, and philosophy. And philosophy. Lot, yeah, it's very wide ranging. Very wide ranging. Yeah. We'll be back with more books from Ping Random House. Viz is taking us through a list of fifteen. Uh, the, the race is on to get through all of them. <laughs> Start after this ad break. People of the Book on 101.9 High FM. This is People of the Book, Stephen Kravitz, and we're in conversation with Viz from Penguin Random House. We've got a long list of books to go through. Uh, we've just been discussing Skin in the Game, the new one by Nassim Nicholas Taleb. He's the author of Black Swans and Antifragile. And uh, we got a lot more to get through. Yeah, yeah, plenty more. Uh, the next one is The Iris Letters. This is also a March release. It's by Elizabeth Noble. Uh, readers would know her from a book she did called The Reading Group and uh, Everything I Want My Daughter to Know. Uh, those were very popular books for sort of put her on the map. Uh, so this one, again, really nice uh, title to suggest for your book clubs uh, or your reading groups. Uh, and it is about a young woman who uh, is... She falls pregnant and is an, sort of an unwanted pregnancy and the father's not around. So she is very close to her grandmother. Uh, but the thing is her grandmother's sort of coming along in age and she, her mind is slowly slipping. And she lives in a, in a home. Um, so she doesn't really have this connection that she craves with her grandmother anymore because of how the, this poor woman is aging. Um, but she does meet 
a woman that works in this home called Gigi, and Gigi has her own uh, problems that come into the story as well, and her problems with her husband and the family. Um, so this friendship uh, starts up between our main character and this woman, but it's also about kind of letting go of uh, her grand in a way as well. So really good book club title it's emotional so it's i think it would appeal a bit more for the female market yes. and it's also I good guess. for book clubs that's letters to iris elizabeth noble yes yes right and then the next one is the book thieves by anders rydell uh he did a it's it's been compared to books like uh hair with the amber eyes if anybody liked the monuments man this was a really really important book and a really i think it's a really important book and that's why i put it in the list because it talks about um when the Nazis invaded Europe and they went into all these libraries and bookshops and stuff and they <clears throat> took all these books um, and basically they, they were, it was said that they burned a lot of them and destroyed a lot of them. But it was actually not true. The monuments men themselves have put together lists where, you know, with the books that they'd found and, and that kind of thing. Um, so it's about these books now finding their true owners. Their, their rightful owners. And there's one part where Amber, Amber Anders Rydell uh, meets the granddaughter of one of the victims of the Holocaust, and uh, it was her grandfather. She'd never met him. Um, but he has this book, and he makes this trip to go and return this book to her. And it was such a fantastic, emotional uh, uh, reuniting almost of, of this uh you know, possession of her grandfather's to this woman. It was really, really special. Uh, so that's what it's about. Um, like I said, the Monuments Men are featured a lot in the book. This guy, the author, is um, he's basically been instrumental in this whole thing. He's been working for years now trying to catalog, recatalog all these books and get them back to the original owners or the descendants of those people that owned it. So really, really good a book coming out in March as well. It's The Book Thieves by Anders Rydell. So that sounds absolutely fascinating, yeah. the book thieves. Yeah, because what, what the Germans wanted to do was take this book, uh, take the books and basically st- they hid a lot of them and kept a lot of them because they wanted to wage their own um, intellectual war, um, p- particularly on history. What they believed was that if they were to control all this knowledge, then they could control a bit of history as well. So it was that kind of thinking, and that's what makes it really interesting. And I, 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 when I looked at the book, it sold in really well. When I took it to stores, they just all loved it, even though we thought uh, we wouldn't really sell that much of it. But people loved it in the stores. So if you watch Monument Men and you saw what the Americans did for the restoration of art and the woman in gold, the movie about the Klimt painting being restored to the the, the family, this does the same thing but for books. And it's it's a true story. Absolutely It's all documented truth. Um, It's the book Thieves uh, playing on the – the book, the time, you know, uh, yeah. the the famous novel, <laughs> The Book Thief. Yeah. So, but it's called The Book Thieves, and it's Anders Rydell, and it's the restoration of uh, books to the rightful heirs from the from what the Nazis uh, basically uh, stole from across Europe. Yes, because like apparently the, in Amsterdam there was great great um, uh, Jewish libraries in Amsterdam in the 1600s. So it's the books go as far back as that. It's really old, old, precious books, which we we basically need to have. You know, we need to keep them and give them back to the owners or whatever it is. But we need to have them. And he sort of finds them and recatalogs and returns it, which is amazing. Um, and the next one is The Book of Joy by Lydia uh, Yuknovich. And this is – she she loves sci-fi and fantasy and that kind of thing. And I read this review uh, a while ago by a friend of hers who did this 
course with her and when she said to her look I've got this idea from this book and it's a, it's going to be a retelling of Joan of Arc um, the woman that wrote it was also, is also a writer I forget her name now but she said that she could not see Lydia doing a, an historical fiction sort of title and she asked what do you mean Joan of Arc she says no it's going to be Joan of Arc but it's going to be set in 2049 and the world is completely not what we know it as now and this is the story and it's a retelling um, so a lot of people uh, compare her to like Ursula Le Guin's Left Hand of Darkness and that kind of thing so the book is about uh, 2049 the earth has now changed there's been this terrible outbreak the human beings have evolved in a very funny way so we've almost become sexless and um, there's not no hair on our bodies anymore so we've completely evolved in a short space of time because of uh, something that went wrong in these experiments that they were doing right so they don't live on earth anymore they live in a place called seal which is c-i-e-l and it basically orbits earth so they don't technically live on the earth but they vacuum up uh, resources from the earth's surface that they use on this platform um so obviously with this new uh, order coming into place there's going to be corruption and that corruption uh, breeds a new leader and he sort of is a power vacuum and his name is Jean Dumain and he comes in and he does all these horrible things and he even kills uh, uh, Joan uh, publicly assassinates her and that's where things sort of uh, go badly for him because the resistance movement starts um forming against him so it's a really really cool sci-fi thriller when i saw it uh some of the reviews online what other people were feeling about it um i think esquire magazine loved it guardian loved it new york times atlantic all the big papers and um, newspapers loved it the journalists just really liked this one so look out for this one it's coming soon so it's the story of drone of arc that's set in a sci-fi future yes <laughs> so it's a great uh, it's a great mash yeah so it's a really classic tale told in a really uh, creative and interesting fantasy world. The, the Book of Joan by Lydia Yuknovich. Yeah. Right, and then the next one is um, it's an Afrikaans title, but it's also available in English. I put it in there because it's really, they, they're really working hard to get the book out now. Leon van Nierup, it's called Cartel Knapp uh, or Toy Boy. Uh, this is a follow-up or the prequel, so rather, to uh, Placid Engel. He wrote a book called Placid Engel a while ago, and it was about a guy who um, this is his beginnings, how he came to be, how he became this sort of uh, male escort <laughs> for the wealthy of Johannesburg, wealthy woman of Johannesburg. And how he, he talks about his conservative mother and his father who's co- who committed suicide. So he lost his father very early on. And how, and how all this led to him becoming this man and this figure in Joburg. Uh, so really, it's a true story, actually. We've met him. <laughs> We're in the office. Yeah. We've had a launch with him the other day and he was really, really cool guy, really fun. He's in his what, probably late 50s, 60s now, but he's a really, really cool guy. You mean the guy the story is based on or the author? No, the actual guy. The guy. Yeah, so, I mean, he's got stories and he knows a lot of people, <laughs> a lot of people. <laughs> So if you are potentially going to be mentioned in the book by a student, you know, by a false name, there's something to worry about. But that's Kato Knapp by Leon van Nierop. Yes, that's right. We'll be back to finish the list after this ad break. People of the Book on 101.9 High FM. Yes, well... Listen up, kids. Purim is come, is coming. It's already been yesterday, and you could win with the Pick and Pay Harper Norwood fan, Purim Fancy Dress Competition. Listen to this. The most creative homemade costume will win a 1,000 Rand Pick and Pay gift card. 
The most, the best dressed costume will win a 750 rand pick and pay gift card, and the cutest costume will win a 500 rand pick and pay gift card. So get your fancy gear on again for the pick and pay Harper Norwood Purim fancy dress competition. It's going to take place in the centre court at Norwood Mall this Sunday, Sunday the 4th of March at 11 a.m. That's this Sunday the 4th of March, 11 a.m. at the pick and pay Norwood Harper Market Centre Court. This is People of the Book on 11.9, Chai FM, Stephen Kravitz, and we're talking with uh, Viz Chetty from Penguin Random House about a list of books that will be available in the shops this month, things to look forward to. And we're closing in on the end of the list, but we've still got a way to go. The Erna van Zales book, Death Cup. That's right, yeah. Um, so Death Cup is a local thriller, it's a crime thriller um, it is about uh, Storm van der Merwe Detective Storm van der Merwe is in this very uh, posh Hermanus restaurant one day and there's a very famous food blogger who's sitting down to a meal in this restaurant um, and she drops dead, so she uh, when they find out and they look at what she was eating they realise that there was this horrible poisonous mushrooms called death cups which has been put into her meal and has caused her to collapse and now she's died and she's passed away, so Detective Storm is now on the case and and um, as she digs through this case, she realizes there's a whole lot of stuff that's um, going on in this case that she didn't know about from the past. But there's also stuff that she's dealing with on a personal level. Uh, so she has to uh, basically accommodate a colleague of hers who's been kicked out of his house. And she, and her dog has now gone missing as well. So it's not a good time for it. Things are a bit topsy-turvy, to say the least. Um, and then there's this massive gala that gets organized where they come to uh, basically commemorate all these uh, top chefs of the country. And... Uh, she is invited to this thing and she goes to it and she realizes that this is a, another good setting for the killer to strike and two more people um, have now died. So it becomes a race against time to catch the killer before he kills another. So this is a South African book. It's a South African book. It's yeah. a foodie murder mystery. Yep. <laughs> That's a good one. I like that. So, foodie murder mystery. so there's a, a lot of overlaps over here, but it sounds fascinating. It, it sounds is. It like is. A it's, it's a really cool th- crime thriller. I mean, not, you know, it's not as heavy as a lot of crime thrillers would be, uh, but it's got this nice South African flair and flavor to it, which we love. Uh, so we got it in, in English and Afrikaans because we wanted to get it out to as many people as possible. And uh, Erna Fanzel is a really, really great writer as well. She's fantastic. So yeah. this is yeah. <laughs> local sounds, uh, local crime fiction, yeah. but it's it's re- foodie. Yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah. it's a whole lot of food in it. <laughs> Your next one is the new, I think it's Reza Aslan. Yes, Reza Aslan God. Um, I picked this one up probably end of last year, read it, and it is so well researched. If you look at the size of the book, I mean, it's like half of the book is the actual book and the other half is all his references and notes, which is equally as fascinating. Um, but it, you can you can tell that the man is really... Put to, worked hard on this and really put it together at first I thought it was going to be a history of actual religion like he'll break down each religion but it, that's actually not what the book is about when when I went through it it's more human history and how we con- came to conceptualize the concept of God and how all these and how we created rituals and that kind of thing um, so it gives you a very general general view of how these religions were formed and that's what the book is about so it doesn't break down each religion specifically and goes into that history that that would just be too um, I don't know it would just be too straightforward I think so this is more more human history and it takes you right back from the beginning right up until present day which is fascinating so that's Reza Re- 
Teresa Aslan and the book's called God. God, yeah. So if, if you've ever, if anybody who likes history, uh, you don't even have to be maybe very religious or something like that, but if you liked human history and how we've evolved and how, where we got certain ideas from, this will be the book to read. I think EB actually put it on their recommends for this month. So if you walk into an EB store, you can basically see it in the front there. Yeah. Uh, the next one is Home by Amanda Berryman, uh, and it's this is probably one of the one of the best debuts we've had in a, in for this year so far. Uh, four-year-old Jessica is telling you the story of uh, her family, and people have compared it to r- the room as well. Uh, have you read this one? Yet, I'm waiting for a copy to arrive. Oh, sure, okay. uh, <laughs> I did request one because uh, your room was one of the best books that I've read in the last I don't know twenty years. Wow, that's and uh, this one, it's also a young child narrating. Yeah, but this poverty. Yeah, it's basically about a tale of poverty and abuse. And also friendship And it's got all these Really really beautiful themes in it um, And she she tells you the story And it's tragic and sad But in a, you know like There's certain things That will just make you laugh But you know that There's a very hopeless situation uh, So it's about this Four year old named Jessica Who sees the world And her brother's getting More and more sick And But she knows Like she mustn't draw On the walls Because that's not good And she sort of Is conceptualizing her world And how, how things are playing out But she also doesn't see a lot And like as, a, as an adult word You know uh, as the, the the situation that they're living in is a really difficult situation, you know. Um, so yeah, it's Amanda Berryman. This is a debut by her, and the book is called Home. Um, if you look online, even people have just been raving and loving this book so far. And there's no negative stuff on this one. Um, the next one is The Beautiful Cure, also a nonfiction book. Um, it's a really, really amazing book. This one I also picked up towards the end of last year. We got some copies come in and I read them. Um, and it is about the immune system and how uh, the guy who wrote it is an immunologist and he um, he's so good at what he does. And he talks about things like stress, sleep, um, age, state of mind, how all these things affect our uh, immune system, but he looks at and he takes it through to stories and discoveries that they've made uh, along the years and different studies that have taken place along the years on the immune system. Because like the brain is also one of those very mysterious things in our bodies that that we're still sort of learning and studying. So here your list branching beyond just neurology and neuroscience yeah. all the way into the immune in the immune the immune system. Immune system, yeah. So yeah. You, you're bringing popular science and popular <laughs> medicine to yeah. a lot of. Reading public It's funny you should say that Because when I looked at Some of the stuff On this book as well when After I read it I looked at some of the reviews People have actually said What you're saying now This book As much as it's uh, Pop science uh, You don't really have to be A sort of pop science Person Or someone into science To be understand it That's the way he's, The style that he's written It is so accessible which is fantastic. Um, and then the next one is um, Ill Will by Dan Chan. Uh, this guy was nominated for the National Book Award. He was a National Book Award finalist uh, for a book called Among the Missing, which was a great, great thriller. Uh, so this one, this book is about two sensational unsolved crimes, one in the past, one in the present. Um, he basically, he, the main character is a psychologist named Dustin, and he has a, a, a basically a half-brother named Rusty who was, uh, who was uh, adopted when he was very young and this guy Rusty has committed a terif- terrible crime in the past where he killed this the main character's mother, father and aunt and then he went into prison for that and then you skip back into present day and then you get these murders start happening all over again and this guy was released Rusty was released after they found out they looked at DNA evidence and they, the case, they threw the case out and he was released after many many years so obviously he's now prime suspect um, so the, like I said the story goes between past and present and it's a fantastic fantastic uh, psychological crime thriller 
I recognize the title because it was on a lot of American lists last year for yeah. books of the year. Yes, yes, yes. So it's yeah. the South African and the British releases this year. Yeah. But it's coming to our shores with a lot of praise, advanced praise. Exactly. And it's going to be in March as well. Uh, and then Under the, Under the Table by David Hargreaves. Uh, so this is a story about a guy named Dominic De Silva. He's in his late 50s and he's basically, um, unfortunately, been given a diagnosis that he has terminal cancer. And he starts to go through um, all his diaries which he kept in the 60s and the 70s and the 80s in Britain and he basically re- tries to relive his life through his diaries and through his work and it's also about this uh, woman that he's his wife that he's married and is a very powerful lawyer uh, and what she represents to him and uh, his life so um, really interesting book as well this is also one of those ones that have been come up in lists in the last couple of months saying that it's a really great read um, you'd, you'd like the main character you actually care a lot about him which is which is quite good and he, he it it holds your attention all the way through. Um, so yeah, really, really it's a novel. Yeah, it's a novel. Yeah, yeah. It is, so it's under the table, David Hargreaves. That's right. Yeah. Um, and then the last one is Under Glass by Claire Robertson. You know, we like our local authors. We love supporting them. She has. You cannot miss this book on the shelf. If you look at this book, uh, it is a stunning jacket. It's set in the uh, 1850s when Indians first started coming to South Africa, and it's about this woman who comes with her granny and a child to reunite with her husband. He's here on a piece of land and he's working this farm, and her passage was paid for by her father-in-law, who said to her that. That she needs to um, bear a son, then you leave whatever's remaining to them. Otherwise, they're not going to get anything. So they have to have a son. And she's coming to South Africa from India. Yes. And then, so she has a child, and it's another girl. So she's got four girls now. Two of them are twins. And then she real, and then she has tries again, and she has a boy. And then the final child is the fifth child. His name is Cosmo. And they finally have an heir to the successful farm, which they've now developed and they've now worked, and you know, so they have it. And then they start to realize that Cosmo is not an ordinary child. There's things about him which is very mysterious and weird almost. So there's a, that's the whole mystery of the whole book. So Claire Robertson, she writes beautifully and the book is called Under Glass. And that's set in Natal in the in, 1800s. Yes. So historical, South African historical fiction. Yes, exactly. And before we let you go, I just want you to talk about a title called Cell. Oh man, I can't tell you too much about this. I can't tell you enough about this book rather. Uh, everybody's raving about it. My CEO keeps talking about it. So I read it in December and I loved it. It reads like Huckleberry Finn. So if you pick the book up, you've got two little girls, they're in the Scottish wilderness, and they are fishing and hunting, and they know how to skin rabbits, and you know, you think, what, what are these two girls doing here? Um, you know, among this whole uh, adventure that they're on, there's a whole dark backdrop to it. It turns out that Sal is being abused by her mother's boyfriend ever since she was 10 years old, and she decides that she wants to get her sister out of this situation because it looks like her sister's going to be next. And her sister is uh, is her half-sister, so she needs to prote- and she loves her, so she wants to protect her. Um, and then he, she sets up this whole thing where she studies YouTube videos, she studies Bear grills. Now she knows everything to survive, she can survive. And she's stolen money from the boyfriend. Uh, she's stolen credit cards that he's stolen because he's a drug dealer. And she buys all this camping equipment and stuff that they're going to need, like these cool knives and things like that. And uh, she sets this plan in motion. And one night she kills him and she takes a sister and she runs off into the Scottish wilderness. And that's where the story starts. So the story starts uh, with them being in the forest and her sister's really funny and she's her name's Pepper and she's really funny and quirky and she sees the world through this innocent childlike eyes and it's amazing. Um, and it's about cell story. So she's telling you the story uh, of what's happening. But again, through a child's th- through a 13-year-old child's eyes. So it's a really fantastic read. It is a debut. Mick Kitson is the author. He does a lot of 
fishing and things like that in his uh, camping in his personal life. So he's included that into this book and he's brought that through Sal's character. Um, I promise you, you're going to go through this book and you come to the end and you're going to still want to, you're going to want to read the book again because you just can't wait. Every chapter you say, I wonder what's going to happen next and you can't wait to see what they get up to next. It's really good. So that's a debut, it's a debut novel. Another debut, yeah. Sal, S-A-L. Yeah. S-A-L. And it's in the shops this month. It's coming in this month, yeah. So everyone must look out for Sal. Thank you, yeah. yeah. All the books that Viz has spoken about, I will post onto our Facebook page, last night being Shushan Purim and Purim parties. I never an opportunity. So all the, all these books I'll post, I'll post on the Facebook page during the course of the weekend. So if there's anything that you heard or you had to get out of the car or yeah. you were too busy to write down, it's all there. Go to Facebook, search for People of the Book on 101.9 High FM. You'll find it there, the list there. And when you go to book club this month or if you're going to a bookshop, you'll notice – Look, take notice of the of the Facebook page, and then buy the books that really intrigue you, that uh, you think will be the next big thing that you want to read and then share with all your friends. Thank you for coming to the studio. Oh, and thank you so much. Forward to um, a visit in April to yeah. go through April titles in the next month. Going to be good. Thank you. <laughs> and then back to uh, the books that I've been reading. Uh, the books that I'd just like to talk about today, or the books that I'm also going to be reading. I'm going to start with a bit of an African theme, because I've got three African, three books with an African theme that I'm looking at. The first one is published by Jonathan Ball, and it's called A Short History of Mozambique. It's by Mellon Newitt. Mellon Newitt is the vice, the deputy vice chancellor of Exeter University. He's an author of more than 20 books on Portugal and Portuguese colonial history. And his new book published here in South Africa is A Short History of Mozambique. It's a comprehensive history that traces the evolution of the modern Mozambique state from its early origins in the Indian Ocean trading system and the Portuguese maritime empire to the 15-year civil war that followed independence and its continued after effects. Though peace was achieved in 1992 through international mediation, Mozambique's remarkable recovery has shown signs of stalling. Malinuit explores the historical roots of the Mozan, of Mozambique and disunity and hampered development, beginning with the divisive effects of the slave trade, the drawing of colonial frontiers in the 1890s, and the lasting particularities of the provinces. Following the nationalist guerrillas' victory against the Portuguese in 1975, these regional divisions resurfaced in a civil war pitting the south against the north and the center. The settlement of the early 1990s is now under threat from a revived insurgency, and the ghosts of the past remains. So if you want to know what those ghosts of the past are, if you're thinking of going on holiday to Mozambique because it is very accessible just across the border. If you've been to Mozambique, if you're thinking of doing business there, this is a it's a great primer. It tells you the history and the development of the country. Uh, it is a little bit more academic than armchair uh, travel. It is it is written by a big academic. You know, Mellon Newitt is an academic. So it does have more of an academic feel than a breezy armchair travel book. 
But it's it's a thoroughly fascinating book about the development of of of, of Mozambique. Just finding going back to the very early years of the settlement of Mozambique and the the population movements in the different parts of the country, uh, the, the coast towards the Namibia of uh, so towards the Zimbabwe highlands or the Zambezi River and just how all of these different geographical areas developed separately but also in concert together with what what uh, Malinuit calls the Indian Ocean trading system because there was a fortune of trade long before the Portuguese even got to Mozambique connecting Mozambique all the way to India and beyond so it's it's that's just the beginning of the book it's a, it's a, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a good prime for anyone interested in Mozambique the next book is a novel and I think we should be giving more voice to African authors, South African, but also authors from the African continent. This one is just such a book. It's written by Jennifer Nansubuga Makumbi, who is from Uganda. It's published by One World. And the book is called Kintu. It's an award-winning debut that vividly reimagines Uganda's troubled history through the cursed bloodline of the Kintu clan. The book starts in the year 1750. As he makes his way to the capital to pledge allegiance to the new leader of the Buganda kingdom, Kintu Kida unleashes a curse that will plague his family for generations. From that moment on, each of Kintu's descendants will find themselves caught up in the struggle to break free from the curse and escape the burden of their family's past. Blending Ganda oral tradition, myth, folktale and history, Jennifer Nansuguba Makumbi has brought to life an extraordinarily colourful cast of characters to produce a powerful epic which people are already saying is a modern classic. So I haven't read it yet but I am looking forward to reading it and in, uh, immersing myself in some African literature, African fiction uh, the book has a shout out from Marlon James who won the Man Booker Prize two years ago he says a soaring and sublime epic and Marlon James and Jennifer Makumbi share the same publisher which is One World it's good to see the wider world taking an interest in African stories and this is you know Uganda is off the beaten literary track so it's interesting to see uh, a book like this being published Jennifer Makumbi does live in Manchester at the moment so she is living in England but she is bringing Ugandan stories the stories of Africa to a wider reading public. The next book, which I also haven't read yet, but I've, it's just it's an African theme, and I think it's important to talk about these books. Uh, it's I will read it soon. It's published by Head of Zeus, and it's called Dictatorland: The Men Who Stole Africa it's by Paul, written by Paul Kenyon. And I think in South Africa, where we feel this, then being having being in the clutches of a of a, a not quite a dictator but a person who was squeezing the country f in, a, in a in a in a phenomenon called state capture it's important for us to be aware of what happens in other countries as well um just to read the back of the book a vivid heartbreaking portrait of the fate that so many african countries suffered after independence the dictator who grew so rich on his country's cocoa crop that he built a 35-story high basilica in the jungles of the Ivory Coast. Then, the austere, incorruptible leader who has shut Eritrea off from the world in a permanent state of war. In Equatorial Guinea, the paranoid despot who thought Hitler was the saviour of Africa and waged a relentless campaign of terror against his own people. 
Then, the Libyan army officer who authorized a new book of political philosophy, the Green Book, and went in to live in a tent with the harem of female soldiers, running his country like a mafia family business. And behind these almost incredible stories of fantastic, of fantastic violence and excess lie the dark secrets of Western greed and complicity, the insatiable taste for chocolate, oil, diamonds and gold that have encouraged dictators to rule with an iron hand, siphoning off the share of the action into mansions in Paris and banks in Zurich and keeping their people in dire poverty. This is the book Dictator Lands, written by Paul Kenyon, who has traveled all over Africa in the footsteps of the dictators. He's a distinguished BBC correspondent and he's a BAFTA award-winning journalist and author. So those are three books with strong you know, African books. Dictator Land, Paul Kenyon, Kintu by Jennifer Makumbi, and A Short History of Mozambique by Malin Newitt. They're all in the shops already, and uh, it's good for us to read more about the African continent in all of its different uh, forms of writing. We'll be back with more titles straight after this ad break. People of the Book on 101.9 High FM. This is People of the Book on 101.9 Chai FM. Stephen Kravitz taking you through uh, books to read. Uh, just to recap what we've just been talking about, uh, books with an African connection. So there is Malin Newitz, A Short History of Mozambique, published by Jonathan, Jonathan Ball. It's in the shops at the moment. And then uh, The Dark Side of Africa, Dictatorland by Paul Kenyon, published by Head of Zeus. And it's dictator land. It's a tour, tour through some of Africa's most uh, unbelievable, excessive dictators. And uh, Paul Kenyon is a BBC journalist. So we're looking at the the pillage of Africa by its own leaders. And then looking much on a, a very, very different type of writing, fiction here. This is... Uh, by Jennifer Makumbi, a book called Kintu. And I think if you see it on the bookshelves when you go to the bookshops next, pick it up, give it a chance. You know, it's, it's, it's a story about a Ugandan family starting in 1750 all the way through to the modern day, uh, following that family's story and the story of Uganda, the story of an African country. And it's so often that we read African fiction but written by a white, a European from a European-centric perspective it's time that we started reading the the, the 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 fiction, the writings of Africans, with Africans as the center of the story, not with you know whites living in Africa as the center of the story, but Africans as the center of the story and putting that African history that's been preserved through the generations through an oral tradition into uh, into in, you know, into the books that we read, and I was actually speaking to a few people in publishing just last week, and there is a new growing genre coming from the African continent or from the wider African diaspora, with people taking especially Nigerian folklore and mythology, and writing that using that as the basis for. Um, for for fantasy for 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 young adult fantasy, but instead of something like Percy Jackson, where you've got Greek mythology or Egyptian mythology as the backbone of an exciting children's story, you can now find Nigerian mythology as the backbone 
of a fantasy series. So that's something to look out for as well from the African continent. This is, you know, this is Africa. So it's good to give all those types of books a, uh, a, a, a turn as well. The next book, I've spoken about this book, but more about the author and the story behind the publishing of the book. The author's A.J. Finn. The book is The Woman in the Window. It's published by HarperCollins, and it's available in the shops now. The Woman in the Window is this year's Gone Girl or Girl on a Train. Uh, it is a domestic thriller. Domestic because it's set in a house. It's not a spa thriller. But it is a psychological thriller. And the story is told from the perspective of the woman in the window. The woman in the window narrates the book. She lives in a gentrified neighborhood in uh, Harlem. So it's in New York, but everyone living in her neighborhood is wealthy. The houses are beautiful, and (coughs) she doesn't go out the house. She's got agoraphobia. Everything she does is in the house. When she actually has to leave the front door, she has such terrible, terrible panic attacks that she actually can't get out the house. And she sits in her house, looking through the windows, following all her neighbors. She has nicknames for them, and she follows what they do. She can see who's having an affair. She can see who's loved by all the neighbors in the community, who's hated by all the neighbors in the community. And she starts narrating her her story. And she tells you that she's separated from her husband. And the husband has custody of their daughter. And she misses them. But she often talks to them. With, uh, then new people move into the neighborhood. And she wants to follow them and their lives. Just like she follows everybody else's. And there's a... There's a father, there's a son, and she meets the mother who comes to visit her. And then she sees that mother being killed in the window of the house when she looks out of her window. And she reports it to the police. But the police come back and they say, everyone is in the house, everyone's fine. You're obviously imagining things, and you know you're drinking too much. You're taking medication, so we have an unreliable narrator. It's very similar to Girl on a Train, also very similar to the Girl of the Girl on a Train who looked through the train window to, and made up stories about the people she saw in the houses. So here, this is the person who looks through the window. The woman in the window, she's making up stories and she's embellishing the lives of the people around her. But she's convinced she saw a murder. Eventually, the police come and they report to her, and the na- the new family that's just moved into the neighborhood come with the police. And there's the father, the son, and a different woman who says she's the mother, who's got the mother's name. And this really throws our narrator, and it tips her off. And then she doesn't know what to believe. And then... We, as the reader, also don't know what to believe. There's very strong Hitchcock, Alfred Hitchcock, themes coming through the book. Uh, And the book itself, this very unreliable narrator who never leaves her house, spends most nights watching 
dark murder mystery movies, and many of them are Alfred Hitchcock thrillers. So that is a very, you know, A.J. Finn is paying homage to Alfred Hitchcock through the book that he's writing. It's a very, very, very uh, gripping thriller. Uh, the chapters are short, so you get through them very quickly, and you just want to see what's going to happen next, when it's going to happen next. And when the twist comes at the end, you almost think that you know exactly how it's going to turn out, but you're most probably far from the far from the way that it all resolves. So that's a great domestic thriller, uh, domestic psychological thriller, The Woman in the Window by A.J. Finn. It's published by HarperCollins, and it is available in the shops now. And we'll be we, – we don't have an ad break now. We'll be, we do, we, yeah, we'll be back with an ad break well, after this ad break with the last two books for the show for this for this week. Stay relevant and up to date. This is 101.9 High FM. People of the Book on 101.9 High FM. This is People in the Book on 101.9 High FM. The books that I've spoken about today and the books that Viz mentioned, I'll post on Facebook over the course of the weekend. So if there's anything that you want to find out more about, go to Facebook, search for People in the Book on 101.9 High FM, find the book. Then you can go to the the bookshops armed and ready to find the right books. Next week, I'll be interviewing a former shared um, host of People of the Book, Terry Shakanovsky, about her new book, which is called uh, A Knock on the Door. It's about families that were torn apart through police detentions during the, during the apartheid years. So that's something to look forward to next week. And just to finish off this week, two books that I have mentioned early on in the year that I was looking forward to reading them. Now I've read them and they are available in the shops. The first one is the Greg Hurwitz book, Hellbent. If you haven't read Greg Hurwitz, then you have to go out and first buy the first of the three books in the series. That's Orphan X. Then you have to go and buy the second book in the series, which is called Nowhere Man. And then you're ready to buy Hellbent, which is the third book in the series. Orphan X is really Evan Smoke. Evan was an orphan in a, an orphanage in Baltimore when at a very young age, about nine or ten, he was adopted by a man, John, who actually worked for a secret compartment of the American deep state running the orphan program. Well, he was working for the orphan program. The orphan program was where the American government took in orphans and trained them to become assassins, people that could carry out those so dark operations that the American government had to have total deniability over them. During the first book, the decision is made to liquidate the orphan program. And there's an orphan, orphan, see they were given numbers of the alphabet, letters of the alphabet, so he's orphan X. Orphan Y is liquidating the rest of the orphans. So through all three books, Evan Smoke, orphan X, has to fight to survive. But he's went off the grid. He went rogue long before the program was set to be terminated. And he is the nowhere man. The nowhere man. It's in the second book where he helps people who can't help, can't get help from anywhere else. If someone has a problem, they will call him on a secret number. The only charge that he charges them is, when I'm finished helping you, you have to you have to pass my name and my number onto somebody else who needs help. The third book really is. 
true Greg Hurwitz, but to the maximum, exponentially, exponentially, I don't know, written. It is a heart-thumping thriller. You just can't believe someone can come up with these ideas. There is a scene where, I mentioned this before when I spoke about it earlier on in the year, where with just one chocolate bar, Orphan X is able to unleash the most the most devastating attack on the worst, the most violent gang in the Los Angeles area. So you have to read Orphan X, you have to read Nowhere Man, and then you have to read Hellbent. And the good news is that Greg Hurwitz will be in South Africa in May. It's coming for a few book festivals, a few book fairs. So if we can, we'll get him into the studio as well, and we'll pick his brains on how he comes up with the ideas that he puts in his book. And the last book... If you read Wild Swans about China, if you enjoy reading about the histories and the, of other countries, then White Chrysanthemum is a book that you have to read. But here, it's not China, it's Korea. And it's Korea during World War II and Korea in the immediate present. And in World War II, we're focusing on the comfort woman. The comfort woman were women... That when Korea was a colony of Japan, in World War II, the Japanese army abducted women from Korea and they sent them to the army's bases when the army was fighting World War II against the Chinese and they became comfort women. Basically, the, the Japanese army set up brothels where women would have to serve as the Japanese soldiers and over 200,000 Korean women were basically enslaved by the Japanese army in this despicable, despicable crime. After the war, the Japanese and the Koreans never really broached the idea the, or the topic. And uh, Koreans, surviving w comfort women, just totally squashed the experience. It was only in the 1990s that stories about what happened to the comfort woman that the comfort woman started opening up and telling their stories this is a beautiful story of two sisters um, and they, they come from a town on an island off the South Korean coast they, they dive they dive every day to catch things at the bottom of the sea and the one sister is with her mother in the sea and the other sister, the younger sister's on the shore, keeping the catch. And the sister in the sea notices a, a, Japanese, a Japanese soldier walking towards her young seven-year-old sister. And she decides at that moment she's going to save her sister from the Japanese soldier. And she comes onto the shore. And she's abducted, but her sister survives. And the story is the two interlinking stories of these two sisters. One became a comfort woman. The other telling the story from the, the, the present day in 2016 South Korea in Seoul. It's a heartbreaking story, but it's also a story with a lot of sense of hope and uh, just re reconciliation of the past. That's White Chrysanthemum. It's by Mary Lynn Bracht. And it's published by Chatter and Windows. I've put a request in through to interview Mary Lynn Bracht. The book affected me so strongly. I think it's Classic, classic re, uh, book club reading. It's White Chrysanthemum, and it's a very, very inspiring story. So devastating, but inspiring as well. Until next week, good Shabbos, and keep reading.